listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And we've got Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and keeping all the deep fake technology up to date so you, uh-huh. dear listener, aren't made aware of the fact that we've all been dead for a few months now. <laughs> I think they've done a really good job of generating my voice. Like, they can just get me to say whatever now. Yeah. Uh, if, if anyone doesn't know, it takes about a year's worth of podcasts before they can just run your voice through the software. And then you, Isaac just types this out every week. We've not recorded in quite a while now. <laughs> <laughs> he just types everything that he wants, all the laughter and cross talk and everything. It's all Isaac. I, I just like my stilted intro- attempt at an introduction last week wasn't convincing to any listeners. I think in your absence, um, I'm deranged. We're out of lockdown and it doesn't feel good. Yeah, <laughs> we're not even out of lockdown properly. We're still having to wear a mask around outside, which is weird. Yeah, yeah. I'm a bit overstimulated because I went to lunch for a friend's birthday yesterday. <laughs> And was like, yeah, I'll I'll be out for a couple of hours. Smash cut to like eight hours later and realizing I'm still outside and have stopped <laughs> figuring out how to talk normally to people. So I was like, I'm just going to yeah. go home and sit down quietly for a bit. Yeah, this is there is this weirdness this time around. I know like, I, I mean, obviously we're in a bubble, but I just noticed more people this time being like, hey, this lockdown has really fucked me up. I'm dealing with it worse. Mm. And people have been like, yeah, I feel more anger this time around. And now the whole, like, restrictions being somewhat lifted for people in the city, there's been this real sense of, like, oh, I can I can go out. Hmm. I'm not going to, though. Not yet. I don't feel like it. Not just... Like the, the pensioners at the end of that Simpsons episode where they're like, mm, don't like the look of these teenagers <laughs> <laughs> just going back inside. Like, nah, I think I'll wait a day or two. And I just, yeah, didn't realise that there were so many ongoing mental issues with locking down an entire city but hey here we are it, it's a com- it's a combination of things because like we were lucky over summer like we had like a little bit of a scare here and there but it still wasn't as bad as like yeah. you know remembering what the last like long lockdowns like although it is it is there is a, a sense of solidarity where you could be hanging out with people and you could be like my brain's fucked eh? and they're like yeah <laughs> yeah and then you just kind of just kind of sit there and play with your food for a bit, but everybody's like on the same page. Yeah, there is this sense of like it's totally acceptable at the moment to, in the middle of a sentence, be like, ah, oh, actually, like just to Joe Biden it and be like, ah, oh, I'm sorry, man, I gotta go, I'm leaving. It's like, and everyone's like, yeah, no, take take <laughs> off, take care of yourself. How good's um, food? Yeah, food's good. <laughs> um, but at least we're not as fucked in the head as all the conspiracy theorists in Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the only sort of good part about lockdown has been enjoying just seeing these conspiracy theories flourish. And for our non-Victorian listeners, um, a lot of conspiracy theories have been flourishing due to the fact that our Premier has been unfortunately quite seriously injured and out of commission for the last few months. So just as an explanation of what happened, on the 9th of March, um, Dan Andrews, the Premier of Victoria, he slipped and he fell while at his holiday home in the Mornington Peninsula. Uh, apparently. Yeah. Apparently, uh, uh-huh. he, there were some slippery stairs, he fell over, and look, Speaking as an old person, it's really easy to injure yourself in extremely <laughs> dumb ways. And I feel really sorry for Dan Andrews because I'm a clumsy bitch. And I can definitely see myself owning myself in the shower in this way of just like, oh, yeah, I'm just walking out of the shower and now I'm dead. So yeah, feel <laughs> could happen Dan to Andrews. any of us at any point. I'm sorry that you're also a dumb bitch like me. Anyway. <laughs> so 
the injury in which Dan Andrews sustained was like quite a few broken ribs and I think a ruptured vertebrae, something like yeah, that. Yeah, some spine stuff. Yeah, Sounded not, pretty nasty. Yeah, not good. And like he's had to be in a brace for like several months now since March. Um, what we didn't realize is that this is the first domino in <laughs> quite the network of conspiracy theories since <laughs> when this happened in March. Um <laughs> I don't even know how to start with this. Like, so the, the 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 way in which these theories started is basically how and where this happened. So this is the initial thing that's in doubt. the The first theory is that this didn't happen at Dan Andrews' holiday home. the the There's variations on the theory that it actually happened when he was uh, at the house of Lindsay Fox, who is a trucking magnate in Australia, and um. The, the the theory, as is being expanded upon by various sites, is that he was for some reason at his house and then fell over at Lindsay Fox's place. That seems fairly, like, inconspicuous a theory. Like, okay, he's probably friends with a rich person and fell over at their house. However, this has flourished into details that... I'm not sure, like, I, I think it's a product of being inside quite a bit and, like, trying to, like, extrapolate further details of these theories. <laughs> the the way it expanded from that is that, you know, I can understand maybe the, they don't want, you know, the Premier of Victoria to be seen at a trucking magnate's house. That could be a little bit bad. So let's say he fell over at his holiday home. Yeah. But the rumour, or as I like to call it, the truth, is <laughs> no. that Dan Andrews no. was bashed, actually. And, and and Lindsay Fox either himself bashed him or he had others do it. Some some of the rumours I saw were that uh, Lindsay Fox got bikies to bash Dan Andrews <laughs> for a whole number of different reasons. One of them that I saw was that Dan Andrews was sexually inappropriate towards a 17-year-old girl that may or may not have been Lindsay Fox's daughter, but he, he, he overstepped the boundary and so he got his head bashed in because of it. And now Dan Andrews has lost his wife. He's uh, One of the ones I saw was that he's hiding in rural Victoria somewhere. <laughs> Um, to hide from bikies, which doesn't make any sense to me because bikies can cross bridges. The whole thing about bikies is that they have bi- they have a mode of transport that is not like notoriously quick and right. loud. They're you not get Spider-Man. Places. They function in the country. Exactly. I am just really proud of Victoria for really going hard on formulating the most wonderful QAnon theory possible for Dan Andrews. Um, just being, just just being laid up and playing Xbox for the last few months. Yeah, it feels like we haven't had something go bad for so long that people were just like, up, up, no, he was bashed. But no, he just, he fell down some stairs. No, he tried to crack onto a 17-year-old girl and Lindsay Fox just fucking bashed him, eh? And like, people now talking about how like, they know someone or they know someone who knows someone. But like 100%, like they definitely know someone that knows someone who's seen him walking around multiple different um, rural Victorian towns. Totally fine doesn't need a brace actually the brace was just part of the the doctoring of images or it was for show um but <laughs> Dan Andrews and his publicity people have done absolutely nothing to stop these fucking rumors from I mean, going haywire can you 
Um, can you, ever well, since what can you do? No, you what can you do? Them. Say, oh, it didn't happen. Yeah, okay, okay, yes. You, they're going to promote, they're going to propagate either way. But they released a photo at one point of Dan Andrews, quote unquote Dan Andrews, getting a haircut where they don't show his face and they, they have, you know, one of those like teeth combs that looks like a black bar <laughs> placed pretty much over his eyes with the rest of his body being covered. And it's like, hey, look, Dan Andrews is alive and well. It's like, no, that is the type of photo I would release of my body double if I was dead. What are you doing? Photoshop has gotten to the point where you can show someone's whole face. It's not like the (laughs) eyes are hard. (laughs) I just think, look, his wife just thought she was doing a nice thing. Like, you know, like all the couples. Okay, that's not true for me. I would never cut my husband's hair. And if my husband touched her hair on my head, I would be like... Please put those scissors but- down. But also his wife <laughs> his his wife did a really nice thing where she's like, Yeah, I'm just giving my husband a cute little haircut, just getting ready for his back to his return to public life. And now everyone's like, Dan Andrew's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what need, do we need him holding a picture of today's paper while he gets his haircut? Like what is enough for these people? There is nothing that they could post where they wouldn't be like, oh, his ears aren't pointing north. (laughs) That's the thing, though, with with conspiracy thinking, is that it's never going to be enough. Once you have that idea in your head, you're going to need more and more modes of evidence that are not at all real. So definitely the only way in anyone would believe that is that if Dan Andrews was holding up a newspaper while he was getting his hair cut by his beloved wife, but also then people would be like, why do you need to have a picture with him holding up a newspaper to prove yeah, that he's alive? what are you trying to hide? <laughs> the rumours that were going around, like I said, he was apparently bashed. And so all of the people are saying that these photos, you can quite clearly see where they've been edited and doctored. And they've been changed to like take out the like wiring that his jaw had to have and all like the facial reconstructive surgery that he needed after he got his head kicked in and stuff. Mm. And like he has released photos of his like pretty like his torso and face and it's just like ah nah it's photoshopped and then it's just like oh here's him at a like kitchen table with his like with his door why is it in black and white it's because it's from before the bashing it's like it's in black and white it just might not be though it's in in black and white because they're in mourning because he's dead obviously (laughs) black is the color of mourning (laughs) but it's the cover-up if he was bashed to the point where he needs like face surgery and then the cover-up was he fell over and he needed surgery but not face surgery it's like (laughs) pick a better cover-up pick a cover-up which is like he fell over and hurt his face i I need to like sort of i need to give some context as to why this is even funnier than usual now um the Victorian Liberal Party has decided this is a real thing they're going to talk about. Uh, this and is the thing. I, I know I joke, I've joked before on this podcast about like culture wars being just forever the mode of how Australian politics works now, but now it's also QAnon, not just culture wars. Mm-hmm. And so now the Victorian Liberal Party has really thrown their hat in the ring and decided, well, let's go, let's fucking go, let's make this a thing. And a couple of days ago, the Liberal MP and Shadow Treasurer held a press conference asking the questions. She's just asking questions. Just asking like, questions. Got to be clear. Who is at the house? Who owns the property? They literally, the Victorian Liberal Party put out a statement with an incredibly funny list of like five questions asking, very clearly alluding to this conspiracy theory without actually saying so. So like, whose house was this? Were, were police called? <laughs> and everyone um, who's heard this rumour, like, forwarded from, like, their mate's mate's WhatsApp 
knows yeah. what the Liberal Party is referring to. Yeah, it's a, it's an almighty dog whistle. It's huge. But also, like, they ask this thing of, like, which ambulance station was the ambulance dispatched from? And which, ambu- which, which ambulance number was it that took him to the hospital? And why yeah. was it? And, like, Victorian Ambulance have released a statement that it was these ones. And it's like, oh, it matches the official story. But then they also had this question of, like, why wasn't there any footage? So yeah. what, what, do you, what do you mean? This isn't the Truman Show. <laughs> what are you talking about? i just imagining the footage. What? My name's Dan Andrews and this is Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> Watch me walk down these stairs. <laughs> just the idea of Dan Andrews' poor daughter just filming him like going wacky races and falling down the, <laughs> falling down the stairs. Do it to TikTok, Dad. <laughs> Yeah, she's on TikTok and it was just one of those pranks gone wrong where she like she she put like she put the dishwashing liquid all over the stairs and was and like, oh, Dad, <laughs> quick, look at the paper. That's it, isn't it? Okay, we've just made a new conspiracy theory that Dan Andrews actually died because of TikTok. He was filming a yeah, TikTok a- video. I actually believe this now. The Labour Party are absolutely fucking horrible at TikTok, so yes, that is the tracks. <laughs> And the fact that of every fucked thing that has happened in the last five years, this is the thing with the Liberal Party. It's like, it doesn't entirely check out, eh? I'm like, what about the 600 million gas power station, which isn't near a gas line? (laughs) What about Angus Taylor's everything? What about Barnaby Joyce's love children? Like, nah, this is the thing that we need to investigate. But I think, like, my conspiracy theory on it is that, like, he could have come back to work a little while ago and he's just taken a bit more of a sickie. And like, and even that is a conspiracy theory because it, 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 he suffered a massive, like, trauma to his body, and it takes a very long time to get over I, it. I, yeah. And even then, I'm still like, ah, it, it, COVID was hard. Give him a break. Without being too sincere, um, but this is quite sincere. Like, I, I know I was saying before, like. It's easy to get really heinously injured when you're old and you do something stupid like fall down some stairs. Um, But this also speaks to a lack of understanding of how just being critically ill in general too. I don't want to get into like, you know, this is ableism, but also Mm. like if you've never had a significant injury happen to you, you can't really conceive of how like it's really easily easy to do something quite critical to yourself in this way. Hmm. Yeah, human bodies are fucking fragile. Yeah. And I think there's that newspaper thing of, oh, our, our politicians are all, you know, superhuman, know what they're doing, you know, aren't just going to trip over and do some dumb shit. And so people are like, oh, the fact that a politician has ended up in hospital, pretty sus, eh? Yeah. Mm. Like, what the, what the hell is that? Like, you know, if, if anything, politicians are usually, like, you know, especially in higher modes of power, like the Prime Minister, usually, like, cared for to the point where they wouldn't be able to injure themselves in ways that, you know, everyday people could. Like, Scott Morrison isn't mopping the floor by himself. <laughs> um, and he's not going to stack it in no. the kitchen like me. But he's also not the picture of health. Yeah. <laughs> I do love the idea of, like, Secret Service watching Scott Morrison start to, st- like, slow fall downstairs and just <laughs> leaping in front of him so he has a soft <laughs> landing. <laughs> Mr. Prime Minister, no! <laughs> what a shit job protecting Scott Morrison. <laughs> Just sighing and jumping in front of a bullet. It's like, ah, fuck. Here we go again. <laughs> so the reason why this is pretty fucked, like especially coming from the Victorian Liberal Party, is that this was a conspiracy theory pushed by extremely right-wing Conspiracy theorists. This isn't this isn't just one of those like, you know, everyone wants to fuck Brett Sutton and Dan Andrews type of <laughs> online weirdness. This was pushed really early and really quickly 
by really bad people. Like, Blair Cottrell has been pushing this stuff on his Telegram for a while. Um, and there was an anti-lockdown and anti-vax Telegram group called Reignite Democracy, which is run by former Survivor Australia contestant Monica Smith, has 9,700 subscribers. Um pushing this stuff constantly and getting people worked into a lather about this whole thing. And so to have an actual state party start pushing this stuff and dog whistle to them is extremely fucking dangerous. And it, it, it's because it's coming from such a weak position. They they do not have votes in this state. No one takes them seriously. So now they're just trying to get the most fringe base elements to be their core support group. Yeah. Mm. I, I was actually just thinking while um, you were talking about the ex-survivor contestant, um, just a shout out to our listeners, if they can link it to me, if it already exists. We need like a database of ex-Australian reality TV show <laughs> contestants who turn out to be either cranks <laughs> or pedophiles. Because like mm. we've had a disturbingly high <laughs> strike rate on both <laughs> I'm just, just playing saying. the game crank or pedo- crank or pedophile. It, it, That's fucking grim. Like we've had like more than two, like maybe three ex reality show contestants who have turned out to be like involved in pedophilia related charges, mm. which is not right. a rate I'm particularly happy with, especially considering yeah. like you know it, it, it's like you know let's go on to the next cam. Maybe not pedophilia though. Who would have thought narcissists that want to jump on fucking uh, reality TV are also just totally fucked in the head? Crazy. Yeah. Is there like a wiki for ex-reality TV show contestants and what they get up to next? (laughs) I just think that when you move into a new neighbourhood, you should have to tell your (laughs) neighbours that you were on Love Island. Yes. (laughs) Just so they can take the necessary steps to be safe. (laughs) You should be on AM talkback radio. In no way do I want this to potentially damage my prospects for eventually being on reality TV because I really want to be on like one of those shitty dating shows. Even though I'm married, I just think it'd be really fun. I'd be in my element on one of those shows. But this this thing actually seems to have originated from a website, Cairns News, which is super weird that Cairns give a fuck about Victoria. Um, but they were pushing this stuff on... <laughs> Two days after the fall on March 11th, they published an article asking, who bashed Dan Andrews? Which is the mm-hmm. best leading question, because if you go, oh, it was this person, then obviously you're buying into it. But if you go, well, no one bashed him, then you're still talking about Dan Andrews getting bashed. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, I love that. They were like, oh, his his injuries are consistent with having been kicked while prone on the ground. I'm like, or consistent with falling down the stairs. Like, who's the your guy on the inside of the medical department who's like, nah, it was yeah, a sorry. kick. That's a classic <laughs> kick. Yeah, as if Cairns News has a fucking doctor on retainer <laughs> to just talk about. What, it's bullshit. So... Yeah, Cairns News have a bunch of other headlines like, you know, COVID is a PSYOP, electric cars in Australia um, as handy as an ashtray on a motorbike, Uh, Trump will be back after election fraud case in Supreme Court. Like, it's that level of shit. But I suppose because it's not called something, you know, fucking stupid like reignite democracy, it it has this weird veneer of legitimacy. And this is the weird thing about these conspiracy theories. The weird thing about QAnon, the weird thing about the anti-vax stuff is that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you have a veneer of legitimacy from something like Cairns News, which isn't, but it, it looks like it could be. And it circles around the internet and in the chat rooms and 4chan and 8chan and all those sort of places. And it starts to bubble up. And then the craven dipshits of right-wing politics go, oh, there could be some votes in this. And then they start talking about it. And they retrospectively, retroactively give it legitimacy. 
Yeah. And so then the people that are involved in the conspiracy theories are, ah, see, the Liberal Party are talking about it. Like, no, they're talking about it because you were talking about it. And like, hmm. Or maybe they're talking about it because it's true. And then we've got to spend time thinking about it. They, they, did, a, they did a fucking, like a, an interview thing, a presser. And the press had to report on this fucking nonsense. <laughs> See, look, there, there have been roots of, like, conspiracy theories always, like, very loosely, like, you know, um, coming into government policy on, like, conservative sides. But, like, my – I've always believed that this really started to take root um, in the US with the Tea Party movement back in the yeah. mid to late 2000s. Um, and that's when, like, the Republicans realised that, oh, there really is, like, a benefit to really encouraging this fringe element um, and we can potentially get some votes out of this. And that's given birth to a lot more kind of conspiratorial thinking as well, like, aside from just QAnon in the US. I, and because <clears throat> Australia can never really ever come up with anything original themselves in terms of culture <laughs> wars or conspiracies or anything like that, we we can't even really homebrew a really original one. Like, there's still, like, QAnon elements mm. to all of this, obviously. Um, and we just, like, basically transplanted everything whole scale here. So, welcome to our new reality. We're, we're going to have the Victorian liberals saying just asking questions. Now, here's, here's the important thing that I think we've skipped over, and this is the conspiracy theory about the conspiracy theories, is these conspiracy theories don't just, I mean, some of them do just come out of random kooks, but a lot of conspiracies and a lot of the world we're living right now, which is this kind of post-Tea Party truth is negotiable, is because of actual conspiracies. Like the Tea Party movement, the science denial movement, anti-vax movements, climate denial movements are often funded or had their roots in funding from big business and billionaires and stuff. The call's coming um, from inside the house. <laughs> yeah, like the conspiracy theories are often bullshit, but the fact they exist is a conspiracy. Um, because yeah. every time people don't believe in fucking climate change, that helps out some fossil fuel companies. Also, sometimes they can be a distraction. Like, when you think about the way in which QAnon has flourished in the US, and then you see the very real possible concealments yeah. of the ways in which certain billionaires have died, Jeffrey Epstein. Um, yeah. It, it's like... They're designed, like, a lot of conspiracy theories are designed to distract you from a potential reality as well. I'm not saying that Daniel Andrews dead is distracting anyone uh -huh. from, like, you know, a potential <clears throat> reality here. Um, it, in fact, like, you know, the real person who killed Daniel Andrews. But <laughs> it, it's it, the, the urge comes from somewhere, and it is a, a human urge still to understand their, their surroundings. All these people out there, like, protesting that masks are a conspiracy, they're real kooks, but they're kooks that have been weaponized by actual yeah. interests. Um, it's, and, and it's the same in America. All those, all those Trump, rabid Trump supporters, they're, they're actual kooks, but they're directionless kooks. It took, like, a larger force to, to direct them at, like, the, the, the machinery of a country. Um, to destabilize it to the point that a lot of people are making some mad cash. Yeah. So, yeah. There's also something to the fact of even if the conspiracy theories themselves aren't being used by conservative side of politics, the conservative side of politics has 
corrupted our like the public sphere and the discourse to the point where they're allowed to flourish. Like and and, yeah. and you know both both sides of politics to be fair. Um, when nothing our, is in certain, Australian you can context. get away with anything. But not only when nothing is certain, but when there's no punishment for mm. things to happen. When you have destabilized and corrupted any type of checks and balances, then of course this shit can come through and bubble to the surface and the Liberal Party can use it. Because the Liberal Party themselves are not above shutting this sort of shit down because they just want votes. And I have absolutely no doubt that the Labor Party would do the same the same shit. Mm. They would love to have this shit propagate and if it gets them votes because then they don't have to actually do the important hard stuff that's hard for them to do that yeah. they don't really want to do. Oh, and there's probably an element of like cover in it. There's boy cries wolf kind of stuff. If it's gotcha. really hard to be like, "Oh, wow, Angus Taylor's super corrupt because he, you know, got 8 million dollars for water that doesn't exist because then people can be like, "Yeah, and Daniel Andrews is building a moon laser. What's going on there?" And you're like, "No, fucking How do you get anything done when nothing is real?" <laughs> That's the only Dan Andrews policy that I'd agree with. Uh, It is all good, though. Dan Andrews has released a proof of life video, which all of us, within seconds of it being posted in the chat, went, oh, it's a deep fact. Doesn't matter. It's not real. Um, He's announced his body double will be back at work in a couple of weeks. Uh, He'll be taking talking points from the CIA because, as we all know, Bob Hawke was a CIA asset and Labor premiers and prime ministers since then have also been um, CIA assets. It's real. Um, So I'm looking... Yeah, it's real. I'm, I'm looking forward to strengthening our ties with US imperialism and kicking China out. Um, and having troops on the streets in the dictatorship, the communist dictatorship of Victoria in the next few weeks. Once we get Daniel Andrews back, I'm really going to work. I, like, I've got some a leave coming up that I postponed because I didn't want to take it during lockdown, but I, I've got like a whole list of like CIA related books that I want to read. I'm going to like try and bring a, a version of Operation Gladio to Australia. Let's see how we can transplant yeah. that here. Mm. I, I'm sure there's a way. Yeah, let's do it. If anyone from ASIO is listening or the CIA, <laughs> give us a buzz. Notgoodpod at protonmail.com. It's encrypted. You know that. You've already you've, you've gotten into our emails before. Give us a buzz. We'll happily plant machine guns in like nail salons and hairdressers all over the state. It'll be great. Yeah. Oh, Lord. I'm, I'm looking forward to understanding all the pa- the patterns of where the mole people move um, around the northern suburbs. <laughs> Every single elected representative in Australia is a literal demon from the depths of hell. Yeah. Like, unequivocally, even if you're in the fucking Greens or an Independent, you're part of the machinery, you're pulling at the levers, and I think you're just the, the collateral damage. But every single one of them should go to hell while still alive for a fucking number of reasons. But the one that has gotten me this week, it's gotten all of us so much, is because of the Billa Wheeler family and the absolutely just depraved and satanic shit that is happening to a fucking, she was three, now four-year-old. So just as an overview, most of our listeners would be very aware of what's happening, but there is a family that came from Sri Lanka as asylum seekers. The parents are Nads and Priya. They met in a town of Biloela where they were living well and they've had two kids, Kopika and Tanika. And they're... uh, Priya's visa ran out in 2018 and Border Force, big tough men, Border Force, 
forcibly took them from their fucking homes and they've been in detention ever they, since. They stole them away in the dead of the night, if I recall. Dawn. There was a dawn raid. Yeah. The took them to the, the broad the, the, the fucking broad meadows detention center. Um, from there, they were about to be deported to Sri Lanka. That one was at about midnight. Um, and there was a snap protest um, that took place. My partner actually went down to that one. Some people stormed the tarmac for that as well, which was mm. cool, but they got an injunction while they were in the air mm. um, to get them not deported. So they've been on Christmas Island since. And Christmas Island is hell. It's torturous and it's deliberately torturous. This is the thing that you have to keep in mind is that the torture is the point. Yep. Whenever they talk about like, oh, you know, if you come over here by boat, you'll never be resettled in Australia. That is only effective if what happens to you when you come here is worse than living in a place where you have to leave for fear of your life. It's that, 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 that's built into it. I, I really want to just also give some colour to who this family is as well and the means by like why they're here. Um, so the family there are Sri Lankan Tamils who were seeking asylum in Australia. And even though at the time the Civil War ended, it's still very dangerous for minorities, including Tamils, Sri Lankans. It's a, you know, it's a constantly changing environment where it looks like, you know, it's according to academics and immigration lawyers saying it's a much more draconian environment. And it's very likely that any Tamil uh, former residents of Sri Lanka, what if they were to go back, would be in serious danger. Um, hmm. And the immigration lawyer, Simon Jeans, said as much that they had like you know that he claimed that they were coming as economic refugees every every person who's coming to australia is a refugee who's economic what what does that i I really get really upset at those kind of terms because every person who comes to australia seeking residency (laughs) is here to start a new life and the idea they're just wanting a bloody better life yeah and they and the, (laughs) the 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 insidious way in which language has been used by certain actors and certain conservative governments and Labor governments um, is to portray it as if they're trying to have more than what they deserve. But what does a person deserve when they come to a country where they've been in strife? They deserve a better life. And the Apriyanates came to Australia um, with seeking a better life and seeking safety. They had children in a community that loved them and they worked in the community, were volunteers in the community. They have every yeah. sort of means in the way that my family came here, in which even generations of, of white Australians came here. Everyone came here seeking a better life. Yeah. And so this week, shit has come to a head yet again. Um, I don't want to really go into the litany of shit that these two young girls have suffered before, but there's plenty of reporting on it, but they are consistently in hospital Mm. because keeping young children in detention fucking crushes them physically Mm. and mentally. And then this week, it's all happened again with um, Tarnika after about two weeks of worsening symptoms in offshore detention, was finally flown to the Perth hospital where she was diagnosed not only with pneumonia, but also with sepsis from untreated pneumonia because the doctors on Christmas Island were like, ah, just Panadol, she'll be fucking fine. And she clearly fucking wasn't and was finally flown to Perth where it was like, oh shit, here's something that could have been very easily fucking treated, but now this is life-threatening. Fucking three years old. Sepsis is is kind of blood infection basically it's the kind of thing where your body is like 
almost on the verge of shutting down. And if you don't treat that shit, you straight up die. This is the kind of thing that before we invented antibiotics, people would just die of this. And left untreated, this kid very, very probably would have died. Yeah. I I would love to understand uh, anyone who supports a detention regime, why... Like, even in the instance that you would have innocent people kept in detention, just looking at how these, you know, this family and their children are suffering, how could you possibly look at that and consider that the system that you're doing is fine? And every and every person in detention suffers in this way. Yeah, and I mean, if, like, the objective here, if you just want to keep this family outside of Australia or you just want to, uh, I don't know, put them in a prison of some sort, you've still got to be... Like, taking care of them as people. I don't think they should be in a prison. But even prisoners aren't just meant to rot and die. Unfortunately, they Like, do, that's but... <laughs> human rights. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, this country fucking loves that shit. This, this country believes that prisoners definitely should suffer while they're in prison, that we, should, we don't have a duty of care to prisoners. And then, as an extension of that, they also think that asylum seekers should be prisoners. And then mm. everything that goes with that as well. Like, the amount of shit that I've seen of just like, oh, actually, they, they can go home whenever they want, or they could end this whenever they want. It's like, one, they fucking couldn't, but two, like, fix your fucking head. Fix your This heart. is torture fix your heart. of children. Like- This is- it's just fucking craven. Yeah. Do you think this family is doing it for kicks? They're playing the long game because at the end of it, there's an Xbox or something? Dutton wants left- you to believe that. They have said exactly that. They have said that they do not want people being flown to the mainland to receive medical treatment because people just abuse that system. It's like, yeah. this kid has fucking sepsis. You can't fake that, cunt. Their, yeah. their, whole, their whole reasoning is basically, well, if we allow this precedent, then others will use the same. Yeah, because they're dying and they're in, like, they need treatment and they deserve safe refuge. Of course they're going to use it as precedent. But, of course, this is, like... Peter Dutton talking with Cop Brain or anyone else involved in a detention regime. Mm. But another point that I want to make is that now I realize that this is an absolutely torturous situation and thinking about it makes me sick to think of like how we've kept this family tortured in this way. But one thing that really I, I want people to understand is that it's not just about families. It's everyone in detention. There are there are older men who are, you know, treated in exactly this way. And Christine Keneally is not going to go to a rally to talk about those people. She's there to use no. the, the image of a family in detention for her own means. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the things that really shits me here is that all of these people, these human beings with rights and stuff, are just used as a political football. Mostly as a political football to beat and be like, oh, look at all these bloody people coming over here. But often as a political football to show... Oh, but I'm an empathetic, caring politician who actually likes them. Mm. Um, and obviously, Christina Keneally is the really egregious recent example of that. Yeah. We talk about Christina Keneally on the podcast and the the ways in which she uses um, these kind of situations to her own political benefit. Just a reminder, she is the Shadow Minister for Home Affairs. She's the Shadow Minister for Immigration and Citizenship. So this is her portfolio. This is um, something that she reasonably can advocate for policy on so she could she is in a position to actually make statements on this and assist in bringing this family home yeah she's presumably hanging out at lunch with the people who make the decisions about this family yes and 
it is useful to her to go visit the family, take a necklace from one of the children and say, yes, I really want this family home. But when it comes down to the crunch, she misses out on being there on the ground for the things that matter to bring this family home. So she Mm. missed a vote in December. That was specifically about bringing this family home. She has been absent for votes in terms of like policy when it comes to asylum seekers. She is strongly opposed policy that would loosen restrictions on asylum seekers. So any 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 sort of anything visibly that she does doesn't matter. If she doesn't do what she's been elected to do in the Senate and either strongly opposes it or is just not there, then none of all mm. her visuals matter. And there's a bunch of other ministers who've gotten on this train because because this Bill Aweller thing it has gotten so sort of well known that it's actually overtaken the 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 base level Australian racism, um, which has really been worked on over the last decade or so, ever since Howard, that refugees are evil and they're coming over here to, I don't know, fucking steal your kangaroos or something. Australians have have largely been brainwashed into thinking, oh, we've got to stop immigrants. We've got to stop refugees. We've got to stop boat people, heavy air quotes, which is monstrous. Um, but this this family has somehow found itself in the press and well known enough that even LNP ministers have been pushed hard enough because the average Australian is like, actually, this is obviously a bit fucked that they're having to say, oh, maybe this isn't great. And I don't honestly, I don't want to say which LNP ministers no, because until, don't give them any until they start voting against it, until they start crossing the floor or standing up in question time and saying our own policy that our party repeatedly um, and overtly like has pushed is wrong. You don't get to say, ah, I'm part of this party that locks these kids up and tortures them, but I don't think that's great. And I think, because because what they would love is for this one family to be sent home and to say, see, we're taking care of the good ones and to leave the other 1,500 or whatever refugees to rot and die. They would love that. They, They want it to be an exception to the rule. Yeah, the people that have come out now and said that they are going to, uh, or that you know they've, they've got questions about this and they're not feeling too good about it, if they actively campaign inside the Liberal Party and vote to bring them home, then they are just barely starting to make amends for the evil shit that they have done to plenty of other immigrants. They, they, this is absolutely not going to save their souls. They still should definitely spiritually, physically, and emotionally suffer for their crimes against humans that they have fucking committed. But this is the very bare start to that. So absolutely, no. The LNP ministers do not get any airtime proper to push their fucking cynical crocodile tear bullshit about this. But the ones that do get fucking called out are people like the Assistant Minister for Women, Senator Amanda Stoker, who said the care on Christmas Island was, quote, good enough. Mm. The care that couldn't catch pneumonia that then developed into sepsis as well said, ah, the care was good enough. Um, Michaelia Cash, who warned of the, quote, consequences of blinking on border policy if we allow this family back in. Absolutely fucked them. Sorry, what a cold-blooded lizard thing to say. The consequences of blinking. Just fucking evil. Evil pieces of shit. If we give rights to one human, we'll have to give rights to all of the humans. And what next? This is the thing I wanted to say in that LNP ministers, the way that they frame it, is that 
we're happy with this exemption. They treat this as an mm. exemption. Their, their sort of understanding of it is still like it's gotten through to the human nature that they understand it's not going to pull well for them if they are visibly mm. seen to be saying, well, this exception, it's children involved, so it's different. And I think the anomaly here, because this family is an anomaly, they're not an anomaly because they're especially deserving or they're especially nice or they're being treated badly or their kids are super cute. None of those things make this family special. What makes this family special is that we're aware of them and they're in the newspaper. Yeah. yeah. That is the thing that these LNP ministers fucking hate. And they've they've repeatedly made laws restricting journalists from visiting refugee centres, restricting doctors from visiting, restricting information from getting in and out because of this reason. This is what happens when the public becomes aware of how fucked up these conditions are. We go, oh, actually, we don't like this. Just a reminder of how difficult it is to actually go to detention centres and get the ability to visit people to find out what their story is as well if they are offshore if it was somewhere like when 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 people were wanting access to Nauru uh the Nauru government basically made it in like in agreement with the Australian government made it as difficult as possible for any journalist or any um politician wanting to like understand what was happening on the ground to even visit it was near impossible. And the same is the case for Christmas Island. Um, you know, the, the journalists who actually want to cover it can't and can't, you know, visit this family and understand, like, you know, the, or convey what is happening um, in a way that, you know, ordinary Australians would be able to understand what's going on. And it finally, it does feel like it's broken through to the mainstream yeah. now. Mm. Just and, and something to keep in mind as well is that, all of this talk about, like, you know, the, the Liberal Party, like, you know, hate immigrants and don't let any of them in ever, blah, blah, blah. We've talked before about how the immigration minister, different ministers have God powers, where they can just rule themselves that can in a way that cannot be overturned. Yes, you can have a visa if you want it. Dutton, when he was immigration minister, used that power about 4,000 times, equaling about three a day. Which again, referring back to conspiracy theories with all the the, the French au pairs and stuff like that, but th- this is racist. This is this oh. isn't this isn't just nationalist and we're worried about our borders and blah blah blah. They're not. They are absolutely in no way worried about fucking backpackers or white workers or anything like that, or even people that they we fucking have to get into North Queensland to like pick our fucking fruit. Like this is entirely and 100% cynically political on the part of all of these people involved. And whenever they try to tell you otherwise, it is entirely bullshit. And I just do not know how someone can become so depraved and fucking psychotic to just say this shit in public. All of these people that we're talking about in the Labour and Liberal Party are human beings. They know other people. They speak to them. They look at other people's faces and go, oh, you're a human just like me. And then they do this shit to people all of the time, happily, for votes, just to go, ah, you know what? This is torturous and I am just, I am made of shit. I am just nothing and I offer nothing to society and I am just totally devoid of humanity, but worth it because my party might win power again or my party might win for the first time in a decade. And that's pretty exciting, isn't it? Just, I, I don't understand these fucking people. Psychotic. I've sort of alluded to it on previous episodes about how I think um, 
immigration to Australia is going to be forever affected by COVID, but in the sense that the government has twigged onto the fact they can make it even more tighter and more punitive than it's ever been. And it will get so much worse to the point where regular people are going to understand that their sort of ignorance and ability to ignore the plight of asylum seekers is now going to affect them. It's already very difficult to immigrate to Australia by legal means. Like if you're not coming, like if you're coming through um, on a plane from any other country, from like the US, um, it is still very hard to permanently emigrate here. Um, there are lots of people that have come through pre-COVID on, on student visas and temporary visas uh, via various sort of working, like part-time working and holiday reasons, but it's still very hard to get residency here, even by normal means. Mm. And it's going to get so much harder. Um, they The borders to Australia are still currently pretty much shut with very rare mm. exemptions and it's very difficult for even regular Australians to get back. Like even just like a few weeks ago, we had the whole thing with even Indian Australians not being able to come back despite not being dual citizens. They are residents of Australia. They had to give up their Indian yeah. passports and they couldn't come here. We're going to see so much more of that as, you know, even because, you know, the vaccinations are going to be quite slow in Australia. Um, they're going to use that as an excuse to keep the borders shut. And so mm. when there are exemptions for refugee circumstances, they have to – it's like Michaela Cash said, their sort of thinking is, well, we can't weaken this at all. We have to make this still extremely strong and say no mercy, no no exceptions, there's no blinking. And I think – It's truly really amazing. Yeah, we're getting to the time now where – regular Australians are going to see just how much they are committed to that. Well, that's the thing. I think we're, we're already seeing that. Like, there's so many thousands of Australians who are trapped overseas. Yeah. Um, and in the case of India, trapped in places which are quite dangerous um, and, and getting COVID. And have, we've had people die overseas, Australians, right? Yeah. I'm not imagining that. Yeah. yeah. In, um, in India, during, during the, right. the ban. Yeah. And so, so these policies have led to the deaths of Australians. Because I, I mean, I would be confident in saying if you'd let all those people back into Australia, they we wouldn't have as many deaths. But of course, we'd need a functioning quarantine system. We'd need functioning vaccines. We'd need all the other functioning things. But all of those are very doable for a country like Australia if we gave a shit. I really think you're right when you say that the government loves this stuff. This is this fortress Australia thing, yeah. like. For most of it, like recent Australia history, we've been trying to enforce various types of white Australia policy where we get to really control who gets in or out. And now finally, we've got some really good excuses where we can say, oh, it's for public health reasons. We've had Scott Morrison recently, who's over, he's currently off in the UK for the G7, uh, where he's going to make an absolute fool of himself. By the time this <laughs> is released, there'll probably be lots of good information about the dumbest shit possible that he's going to say. Mm -hmm. But we're not going into that. But he was interviewed by a journalist uh, who asked him what percentage of Australians will need to be vaccinated before you'll allow, to, allow them to travel like you are today. And the Prime Minister says, we haven't set any mark on that. The journalist said, when will Australians be able to travel? And the Prime Minister says, when the medical advice suggests that we should. So, okay, hang Never, on. Never, basically. He's in charge of this stuff. And he's basically saying, oh, I don't really care. Look, it'll happen when it happens. I'm in no hurry to have Australians travel. And if Australians do need or want to travel, 
they can just personally ask me or my mates. Because if you're a movie star or a diplomat or a French au pair or one of my chums, you can travel. It's all good. Just ask for a personal exemption. And this is exactly the kind of thing that we're meant to have uh, a functioning bureaucratic democracy to, f- to fix is because when rich people and powerful people are allowed to do whatever they want, which they are currently and always have been, um, and poor people basically have to suffer and die, that's like some feudal monarchy shit. You're meant to have everyone having the same rules. You're meant to have, if, if anyone wants to leave the country, that's what we have passports for. That's what we have laws on passage and citizenship and refugee stuff for, is so that Rich, powerful people can't just run the world however they want, um, and and everybody else is just stuck in a plague country. I, I think we're going to see, yeah. So that that's my sort of hot, my hottest take on this situation is just watch this space. It's going to get a lot worse yeah. for people who think who were unaware, like who of their privilege in being able to be Australian citizens. Mm-hmm. This family is very much a canary in the coal mine. Every asylum seeker that we've treated horribly and has died in our care is a canary in the coal mine for the way in which mm. the government really just wants to treat its own citizens. And and you you do see like the classic right wing voter boomer kind of thing. You know, I'm generalizing here where they say, oh, but you know, that would ha- never have happened to me. Or, well, maybe they just shouldn't have been in India. Maybe they just shouldn't have gone to visit their dying grandfather at the point when the borders were open. Maybe they shouldn't have been in the Northern Territory. Maybe they shouldn't have been a refugee. Maybe they shouldn't have got sick. But at some point, any of these things could happen to you. And it does happen to these people. It's like you see the, the, the Brits who lived in Spain when, Spain when Brexit hit, and they went, what? But I didn't realise it would affect me. Wait a minute. <laughs> the rights that I'm trying to take away from others might at some point get taken away from me because they're human rights and they protect us all. I just want to give a um, quick shout out as well, uh, just to wrap this up, to The Guardian and their absolutely fucking atrocious reporting <laughs> buying into the the unexamined idea of Fortress Australia. Um, in particular, Lucy Clark and Mike Titcher on the podcast on the week just gone were doing like an, an entire podcast on the Bill Wheeler family. And they ended the podcast with this take of like the Liberal Party and our, the Australian government can allow an exception for this family mm. and even the people that are currently in detention because of the policies of the past without giving up our really strong border uh. policies. And we know that having strong borders is very important. And we know that we can't just have people coming over here on boats. But hey, you can totally also an- allow an exemption for these this family in particular, to which I just want to point out, you fucking can't. That's why it was so atrocious when the Labor Party voted in lockstep a little while ago with the Liberal Party to allow for proper indefinite detention on yet more people and cases. Mm. It's why it's atrocious whenever they vote for continuing offshore detention and indefinite detention. It's because this family, as you keep saying, Evie, isn't a fucking exception. They are just a type of people. They are a nuclear family so they can sort of go, oh, this looks, this will play well with voters. But you can't do this to fucking anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And so the idea that the Guardian, who's supposed to be a bastion of leftist reporting, are still also buying into the framing of like, hey, of course we need strong borders. 
but also let's make an exception, yeah. is fundamentally missing the point and they are doing it deliberately. I refuse to believe that these people are that fucking stupid that they don't understand the connection there. What they're trying to do is equivocate to make it look like they're actually being more balanced than they are, but it's bullshit. You can't have these border policies while also saying, oh, there should be exceptions. The border policy means there are no exceptions. <laughs> that is the point of it. The system is the problem. This wasn't a hiccup in the system that accidentally exactly. let a nice family suffer. The system is designed to make nice families suffer. Morris, actually, this is a quote from... Now, usually, I'm not a big fan of, of Catherine Murphy at all, who is another Guardian reporter, often very centrist, but... This was a good headline. She, she has done a decent article here, and she ends it with a quote from Morrison in 2019, where he says... The worst possible thing we could do is send a message of, you know what, if you come illegally to Australia and the courts say you don't have a claim and the government says you don't have a claim, then the government just might make an exception because there's been a public reaction. So Morrison specifically, and he may well have been talking about this same family. Oh, in fact, he was. Um, He has specifically said, we're not just going to make an exception. We would hate to make an exception for just this one cute family because then... You know, you're, you're poking holes in their entire cruel policy, which is designed to be consistently cruel. I, I just want to finish yeah. off um, just with some words from Beruz Bashani, who is an asylum seeker who finally was able to seek asylum in New Zealand because Australia completely um, shat the bed and had an awful situation in which we would not accept him as a, a permanent resident in Australia despite years of detention. Um, so... Today, he made a thread, which I will put in the show notes, but he had some words to say about this family and about Australian detention policy in general. Uh, And this is it in his own words. So the Biloela Tamil family is only an example of many who have been tortured by the Australian government for many years. They're an example of using family love to force people to go back. It is part of Australian detention identity. In the documentary film Choker, which narrates the life of Manus Island refugees, the main character Kaveh goes back and forth between the telephone booth and the camp where he tells his young wife that even he doesn't know where he has been stuck. When his wife doesn't seem to grasp the death of his suffering, Kaveh raises his voice in utter desperation. You don't know. None of you will ever know what I'm going through. You just won't. He, like many other refugees, hides the reality of daily life from his family. Even when he attempts to describe the intraceable state of limbo that manaces, words fail him. Um, further down, um, Beruz also says that it's in this context that single inmates sometimes forget their own sump- sim- suffering and sympathise with fellow prisoners who have separated from their families. And for the Australian detention system, it exists as an opportunity to force these prisoners to feel like they can, just, should just give up. And many of these families who have been through separation within the camps, um, in numerous cases, young couples were separated because wives were held in Nauru or husbands were held in Manus. It is a system that splits these families apart. So most of the refugees who appear to move around freely in Australian cities hold temporary visas and even after eight years, they cannot see a bright prospect for reuniting with their families. Detention periods are so long that very few families could survive breaking apart. And for those who have grown up away from their families, the tragedy is that this separation impacts their stay within the family even after freedom. Well, all that said, thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. 
you can get in touch with us on all the socials at notgoodpod or email us at notgoodpod at protonmail.com. Uh, this ended particularly heavily, so look, even if you want to get in touch with us um, and vent a little bit, we'll take it. We're right there with you. Uh, it's totally fucked. But also, if you want to say nice things, we appreciate that as well. <laughs> Not Good Enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge that their sovereignty was never ceded.